You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. What's up, Packer fans? Welcome into Packers Total Access. I'm your host, Clayton Bailey. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. If you'd like to email the show, you can send a message to Packers Total Access at gmail.com. And I'm very excited about today's show. We're going to have a special guest, Steve from UK Packers. Um, guys, if you're not following them on Twitter, I know we're here in the States, but this is a, a, a great follow. You need to give these guys a follow on Twitter. Just the pageantry, the the passion they have for the Green Bay Packers is absolutely phenomenal. And I've been, uh, you know, somewhat familiar with them for, I guess, close to a decade now. I kind of seen them come on the scene and form this uh, this fan group overseas there in uh, in both Ireland and, you know, just all over the U.K., and, uh, man, it just uh, some rabid Packer fans that are just phenomenal. So really, really excited to have Steve on the show. And uh, on top of that, what we're going to do is just talk a little training camp here today, give you some updates. We got some sound bites to play as well. So we're going to kind of get right into that. First of all, um, you know, if you're listening to this show here on Tuesday afternoon, I was just kind of covering the uh, the practice from yesterday. It was somewhat of a padded practice. They're not full pads yet from my understanding but uh, it's really cool. Now now you're starting to get some pop in training camp, and guys are going to begin to pull away from the pack a little bit. You know, you've got your darlings coming into this camp and and guys that have really, really, uh, you know, kind of burst on the scene and, and made a name for themselves already. But once you go full pads, you start to separate the men from the boys, right? And uh, I'm really, really excited to see who emerges out of that group here early on. So let's do this. Let's go to a soundbite from Zach Tom uh, yesterday. And and really, he was just talking about, you know, being asked about playing multiple positions on that Packers offensive line. You guys know Elton Jenkins came on the scene as a center, and he's just proved to be absolutely vital to that offensive line, being able to go from center to left tackle to left guard over to right tackle, uh, play, you know, pretty much all five positions. And Zach Thomas kind of cut from the same cloth. I'm not saying he's Elton Jenkins level. Don't take me wrong. But he just you're, you're going to hear and see a lot of similarities between the two. But let's hear from Zach Tom here. Um, I mean, once you learn center, I was telling somebody this, I think uh, one of y'all asked me this uh, the other day, but once you learn center, you kind of know every other position. So um, I feel like I can play any other positions on the line once, once I know what to do at center. Because uh, when, when you when you play center, you kind of got to know everything. Yeah, versatility is, leads to playing time, doesn't mm-hmm. it? Yes, sir. So just got to be ready to play wherever they need me. Did you play a lot in different spots in college? In college, I played left tackle and center. Yeah. So what is it about center? I mean, you say you got to know everybody. You know everybody's blocking assignment? Everybody's on the line or what? Um, you really just know the concept of the play. And once you know that, then you can kind of you don't necessarily know like all the calls and stuff, but you kind of know what to do at every position. So that's kind of been the advantage that I've had, you know, learning center. Awesome. So, you know, he's just kind of commenting on what it is to play center. And and when you play the center position, you pretty much understand every other position on the offensive line. You know, that's something that's really taken for granted. You guys have heard me talk about how, yes, left tackle is what I consider an elite position, but in that second tier, you've got the center position that I think is is really, really huge in the continuity of the offensive line, as well as the offense being able to communicate as far as blitz pickup, identifying the mic, all of those things. Let me slow down here a second. When I say identifying the mic, basically that's when the quarterback and the center get on the same page and they're going to identify the center of the defense. Okay, When they say the mic linebacker, once that mic linebacker 
is identified. The rest of the offensive linemen know exactly what their assignment is. Now it comes down to the quarterback slash center. Some some offenses, the center takes uh, full control of that. Other offenses, the quarterback kind of has, you know, total say in it, but they're going to identify the mic and that's going to communicate with the rest of the offensive line. Okay, here's my blocking assignment. Here's what I'm responsible for. And Zach Tom, <clears throat> excuse me, being able to play that center position and come into the league and understand all five offensive line positions just from that experience playing center and left tackle in colleges is, is absolutely huge. You guys know he's already seen a lot of playing time as far as in camp at left tackle, and they switched it up a little bit yesterday, which we'll talk about here in a second with, with camp tweets. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to see what Zach Tom does moving forward. Let's move on to Romeo Dobbs. Let's see what Romeo had to say. And he was just kind of talking about coming in as a rookie, learning the playbook, and uh, and really kind of comment on the receiving room. Let's hear from him. I think coming in, it was more simplicity for me. So I knew coming in, I was going to have to work. I was a starter. And, you know, not only practice hard, but, you know, just taking care, taking care of my body, and just diving into the playbook, just making sure that I set myself better enough to go out and practice. So just in case, let's say, if I don't get reps and that next person get reps, I feel like it's not my responsibility, but if I know something, it's okay enough for me to give someone else some information and guidance on how to do such and such this play, or even vice versa with everybody in the room, just having Sammy or Allen or Randall give me advice, you know, on some advice I can give them, maybe some more, or, you know, Christian. It, it's all around, so it's really good for me. I know it's early in camp. We're only a few days into a full-on training camp, but you've had some of the off-season OTAs and mini camps and whatnot. Yeah. What's been so far, or maybe the hardest thing, about the transition from college to the NFL from the eyes of the rookie? Um, I think the biggest transition uh, from coming to college and being here is just how fast-paced and uh, how critical this game is as far as uh, being able to understand and have a mental understanding about it. But I have just enough great guys in this locker room where I can be able to get guidance and get some knowledge on you know how this game goes, how to take care of your body throughout the season, how to be able to, uh, you know, even from Allen or Randall to getting receiver guidance in the room, and Sammy or whatnot. So it's really, it's, it's a big opportunity, you know. So. Love it. You know, first of all, Romeo Dobbs, he's tearing camp up, right? You hear people talk about him every single day, how he's making splash plays on the 50-50 balls and all that. Everybody, he's he's kind of, you know, he's he's gotten noticed now early on in camp, but how soft-spoken this guy is. And it's exactly what Jacob talked about with Quay Walker, right? How he just, these guys seem so humble. And, and I know people get tired of hearing, quote-unquote, Packer players, right? They're looking to draft. Packer players are looking to sign Packer players, you know, someone who fits that Green Bay mold. This is what they're talking about. You don't see anybody in this locker room, especially with the young guys that come in and they're, they just have that attitude of a Terrell Owens or, you know, insert any prima donna, you know, diva wide receiver. It, it, you could just tell what the front office is looking for. First and foremost is character, you know, uh, work ethic, and then someone who's going to come in and gel well with the team. And I think it's awesome to hear someone like Romeo Dobbs recognize early on in his career, you know, his very first training camp, just how unified that locker room is. And, guys, that's culture. That starts at the very top with Mark Murphy to Brian Gudikins to Russ Ball down to Matt LaFleur down to Aaron Rodgers. You see Aaron and Bakhtiari running around on the golf court having fun together. Jacob and I were talking about that. This camp just feels different, man. This is a unified team early on, and you can't put a price tag on that. So I'm really excited to see what Romeo Dobbs does. But let's move on to a, a team leader, someone who's a little more established. And, you know, Kenny Clark was asked about, you know, last year, uh, you know, how things ended and, you know, how reporters are trying to prod and get the negative aspect of things. But I love the way he answered this question. Let's hear from uh, Kenny Clark himself. Yeah, uh, you know, last year is last year. Um, it is what it is. We got to just keep on putting in the work. I mean, this is a new year. It's a lot of new faces in here. And, um, you know, it's a new team. You know, our job is just keep going in and coming into practice, being able to uh, and working and trying to get better, keep pushing each other. And, uh, and, you know, 
you know, all the rest of the stuff I handled. So, yeah. okay. the pads going on tomorrow. Yeah. Is a good thing. Yeah, for sure, for sure. It was it was good to get the pads on. Um, we got to get, get a little bit more football shit. You know, it's natural um, just coming in. So, uh, you know, just working through you know different things, but uh, excited about you know putting on the pads tomorrow and, uh, and, and yeah, bringing that physicality. Awesome. You know, Kenny talked about, hey, look, it's a new year. What's in the past is in the past, right? And uh, you you need that, you know, from the from the top veterans all the way down to the rookies. Is It doesn't matter how good or how bad last year went. You're only as good as your last game. You're only as prepared as your next game, right? And uh, I just love Kenny Clark. I think he's one of those quiet leaders that, that guys respect. You've still got MVS tweeting at him, uh, you know, on Twitter. And just, you know, them cutting up back and forth, uh, making fun of each other. You could just tell that Kenny is one of those guys that when when he when he laces it up, you know, when he straps it up and, and goes to battle with his teammates, his teammates recognize it. And, uh, you know, I love what he said about being in football shape. You know, you got to get the pads on. It's early and we got a long way to go, but it's time to get in shape. It's time. It's here. You know, the full pads, I think, are a go Tuesday, I believe, uh, which we be would have been today. So uh, I haven't heard the. Uh, the camp information yet today, like I said, I wanted to cover Mondays because I know they were kind of putting those quote unquote shells on. Right. And not going completely full pads and just wanted to hear from the guys. But let's do this. Let's hop over to Twitter and get some Twitter updates. Uh, just kind of see how camp went yesterday. Right. And uh, and and the vibe. And, and let's see who who stood out. You know, it's as that's how Romeo Dobbs kind of burst on the scene here in camp and Zach Tom getting a lot of playing time at left tackle. Let's see what happened yesterday. So it says here. Uh, this is Andy Herman's Twitter we're going to read off of. Um, offensive lineman, starting offensive lineman was Josh at left tackle, John Runyon at left guard, uh, Myers at center, Jake Hansen at right guard, and Ro- uh, Royce Newman getting right tackle uh, start, uh, you know, uh, reps there like he did the other day. So you're seeing a lot more of Royce Newman at right tackle. That's something that's starting to create a trend. Obviously, Zach Tom not out there with the first team left tackle. They're getting Yash some work today. It says Quay Walker making his present known presence known early on a run play quickly to the outside for a stud, a good, good run fit by Stokes as well. So uh, Quay starting to flash a little bit here in camp. Dean Lowry went full uh, Dikembe with a rejection at the line. Free play for the offense looked like Kenny jumped, but Lazard and 12 not on the same page. 13 cut his route off. Rodgers was expecting him to keep going. Jerron Reed forces a pressure on Rodgers incomplete. So defense starting to show up a little bit here. False start on John Runyon Jr. Heck of a job by Tippa. I know that's not how you say his name, but that's how I say it. (laughs) Holding the point of attack on a run by Jones. Uh, Mercedes was blocking him. Uh, that's no easy task. And then Tippa follows it up with a pressure off the edge. Possible, uh, poss- yeah, possible he may have been pushed, um, passes the quarterback, but his presence was felt. Uh, let's see here. Uh, some confusion up front on the Packers' third team offensive line, but Heflin shoots through for a stop. Cole Schneider comes up gimpy after an inside run play. He's out for now. So Cole Schneider leading practice there. Uh, with a little bit of an injury. The run defense has been legit so far. Jerron Reed with a stop in the line. Isaiah McDuffie, uh, SJC, and Rico Gafford um, with a few random reps with the ones already. Now Ladarius Hamilton busts through the line for a run stop. Love seeing Tippa and Hamilton showing up. Uh, Love with a bullet over the middle to Torre for 12. Quick read off play action. Uh, beautiful rep by Zach Tom and run blocking versus Devontae Wyatt. Got inside and completely sealed him. So Zach Tom showing a little bit there uh, in the in the uh, running game at uh, at left tackle, I would imagine there. Um, let's see here. Amari Rogers on a punt return gets vertical right away for a nice gain. Lots of horizontal running last season. Love to see the change there. Pat O'Donnell just crushed a punt, and there were some oohs to be heard. <laughs> He's been impressive so far. So Pat O'Donnell looking like he's having a good camp at punter. You know, we talk about his holding ability, but it sounds like he's booming the ball off his uh, off his foot as well. Um, here it says, as a jammer on punt return, Enos Gaines just jammed uh, Dante Vaughn into the upside down. Uh, Gaines was jacked up after the play. Devondre Campbell just stood up Aaron Jones in the hole. Great read by the All-Pro. This defense is so fast. They are making – uh, things so difficult for the offense. 
run fits, pressure, coverage, rallying to the ball, speed. It's all evident, fun to watch. So uh, defense looking really, really fast here in the fifth day of camp. Another high snap by minute. That's his second of practice. This one over the head of Etling. Uh, Akil Byers showing up uh, with the pressure off the edge. Here it says Rodgers to Dylan for a big pickup and move the ball drills. Dylan's had a very nice start to camp as well. Rashawn Gary just ran into the number two defense's huddle to fire them up. The leadership from 52 is real. Defense responds by giving uh, giving nowhere for love to throw the ball. So imagine this, guys, the second team defense. Rashawn Gary, I'll be on the first team defense, on the sideline resting. He runs into the huddle to fire up the second team defense. This is the leadership that we talked about on the last podcast. Rashawn Gary's on a different level. He's embracing that role as a leader. You heard Preston Smith talking him up. You absolutely love to see that. Darnell Savage with a diving pass breakup in the red zone. There we go, Savage. That's what I'm talking about. We need more of that for sure. Uh, Rodgers moves the first down to the 10 in the two-minute, but the drive ends on what should be a pick by Amos. Both he and Savage had great breaks during the during the plays in the red zone to deny potential touchdowns. You've seen that time and time again last year. Bend but don't break defense. It's what this defense is designed to do. Um, let's see here. Moving along. Stop me if you've heard this before. Rico Gafford with a pass breakup. He's been impressive. And very next play, Gafford is right on Torre and stops him inbounds for a very, very short gain. Clock ticks. Vernon Scott, game-winning pick in the two-minute drill on an awful decision from Love. So there you heard earlier uh, earlier yesterday, I remember hearing that Love was struggling, and uh, there you hear it right there um, as that two-minute drill comes to an end. I'm trying to just scroll through here and see if there's anything else that we're missing. Um, nothing really. That pretty much summed up the camp. From what I've seen, again, uh, you know, the, the things that, that are standing out to me is, you know, the offense kind of kind of flashed early on. Now the defense has stepped up. Rashawn Gary, man, what a leader. Let's get that dude a contract right this second. So uh, very, very excited about camp. Just like I said, wanted to give you guys kind of a little refresher, a little update on what was going on in camp. Let you hear from Zach Tom, Romeo Dobbs, Kenny Clark, all the guys and we're going to go ahead and get into our segment here with Steve from uh, UK Packers Group. And really, really excited to, to give you guys a take internationally on just the, the Packer fandom across the pond and, and everything that they represent. Man, we just got such an awesome fan base. So we're going to take a quick commercial break. But before we do, we got a special announcement, guys. We have a, uh, a new sponsor, and we're really, really excited to partner with Pristine Auction, okay? And, uh, you know, we just we're finishing up our giveaway for the Monday Night Football Indoor Club seats. Well, we've already got another giveaway keyed up for you guys. I want you to take notes on this because um, it's going to be a, a pretty big giveaway here. It says, how about this for a giveaway? A signed Quay Walker jersey. We welcome Pristine Auction as a sponsor to the show pristineauction.com. It's the most trusted sports memorabilia auction site. They've got an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating. Uh, auctions on pristineauction.com start at just $1, and each day there are over 1,000 autographed items available. So you win signed, autographed, or authentic signatures at affordable prices. Just like last week, an autographed Justin Herbert jersey sold for only $110. Deals like this are happening all the time on pristine, pristineauction.com. And they have just about every player you could want, including Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, and, and so much more. Every time on pristineauction.com comes with a uh, – every item, I'm sorry, on pristineauction.com comes with a certificate of authenticity from the industry's most reputable authenticators. Upgrade your collection of signed memorabilia today and get $10 off your first item one when you use the code ROGERS. Okay, again, that code is R-O-D-G-E-R-S. When you sign up, again, pristineauction.com, use code ROGERS and get $10 off your first item one. Oh, that's not all, by the way. In addition to $10 off your first item, we are giving away a signed Quay Walker jersey to one lucky listener who signs up using the code ROGERS. Here's your chance to win. All you have to do is sign up on their website using my registration code ROGERS to be entered. Links are in the description. So, guys, make sure you get signed up for that. Quay Walker, I'm telling you, he's already flashing. Give yourself an opportunity to win that jersey, all right? And don't get left out of that giveaway. Really, really excited about the partnership there with pristineauctions.com. Uh, so now let's uh, let's pay some more bills here and take a quick commercial break. 
We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay, now we have the absolute honor of having a special guest on the pod today. And I cannot tell you how excited I am to have Steve from the UK Irish Packers. Is it a fan club? I mean, I look at the website. I look at the merch, Steve. I look at your all story and how I, I came across it. You know, my first experience with, with you guys and your group was on Packers.com. It was some time ago. Gosh, it, it may have been five, ten years ago. And I believe the, the segment was called Packers Life. And you guys were talking about your your crew that comes over and watches games and this and that. And then I'm listening to the podcast that, that you guys put out, you know, what every other week it seems like we, you know, every two weeks we get a, a nice pod from you guys. And last week you guys were talking about Pat Kerwin, take your eye off the ball. And I'm like, okay, I, I think I may be related to this guy. Now the accent's obviously a little bit different, but I'm like, this guy is right down my alley. I've got to see if Steve can come on the show. So I just want to say thank you, Steve, for taking the time to join us. And how are you doing today, sir? I'm good, Clayton. How about I talk exactly the same as you and don't give people the Irish accent? No, look, it's um, what a meld of accents this is. Hello, I'm uh, Steve from UK Packers. Thanks for having me on, uh, Clayton. Do you know what is nice, though, and not to get off on a tangent, is it's nice to be on the other end of someone explaining to me, don't swear, be on your best behavior, uh, you know, let's not go too wild here. I'm actually, and this is half the speed of my normal speaking voice. Um, so as you said about the podcast, if people want to hear me sort of more long form, we usually, and this is terrible now, usually release it every single week, but uh, I'm planning for a wedding, Clayton. Um, so it's uh, it's very busy here and it's the off season. You know, we haven't, Aaron Rodgers hasn't tried to leave yet. So it's very hard to cover some material and to come up with some new stuff. But as you said, I digged into the L. Pat Kerwin book. Um, so yeah, as you said, we've been going for a, a very long time now, almost a decade for for UK and Irish Packers. And the question is, at a fan club, yes, it started off as kind of just a. It started off actually as just a Twitter account. Um, Ryan started it, and then I dived on after a week or two, and then we sort of brought it from a Twitter account and created a website, and then Facebook fired up, and before you know it, I mean, from hard work, uh, blood, sweat, and tears. And an awful lot of cash. Um, you know, we've sort of grown into the biggest fan club um, outside the States. Um, I think we've got rivals in the likes of uh, Packers Brazil. They're huge and amazing. 
Um, and the same like Packers Germany, Packers Spain, Packers France, Packers Hungary, Packers Israel um, as well. So we're sort of a worldwide team. So that's why, isn't it amazing, Clayton, that, you know, the accent you have and where you're based and where I'm based, but here we are just talking about the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, isn't it amazing, man? I mean, I, I remember the very first Lambeau Field tour I went on, and I was blown away, Steve. Uh, the the tour guide started it off, and they may have done the same thing. I noticed that you guys take those tours together, which is really cool. Um, but she actually said, okay, do we have anybody here who, who came from outside of the state of Wisconsin? And, and a bunch of hands went up. And they, mm. we lowered our hands. They said, do we have anybody who came from outside of the country? And I think on that tour of just like 30 people, there were five people from different countries, which absolutely blew my mind. I was this stupid redneck from Kentucky, right? <laughs> and I drove 12 hours up to Green Bay, Wisconsin, the middle of nowhere, right, to see this Lambeau film. What's all the buzz about? Because I was a brand new Packer fan. This was mm. in 2003. And then to see the following and how everybody embraces one another. Like you said, the accents are different people coming from all over the world. But as soon as you step into that Lambeau Field atrium and that bowl, it's like everybody is one. It's just the coolest thing ever. Um, let yeah. me ask you this. I'm, I'm really curious to know, what was your first memory or experience as a Packers fan? Like, how did you, you know, you're all the way over and you're, you're located in Ireland. Am I understanding correctly? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So you're in Ireland. How did you become a Packers fan? What was the first thing that you were like, yeah, that's the crew I want to, I mean, obviously the green doesn't hurt, right? <laughs> oh yeah. What, what yeah, was it? The dairy state. Well, do you know what? It's, it's a complex enough. I'm Irish, so I'm not going to give you a straight answer. And I'd like to give you some perspective, right? Mm -hmm. I guess the, the misconception that we have, for, particularly, and we still get it today, but not as bad because the international series games with the game being actually played over here, um, which I know you probably want to talk about um, a little bit later, is that, you know, it's seen as, okay, the American game does stem outside of America. And so what we always get was, is, oh, do you know what American football is? Do you know what the rules are? Uh, how do you get it? I mean, do, is it magic? You know, and so we have Game Pass over here. And I think that whenever you have a sport that is primarily based in another country, for anybody to support it outside of the environment. So, I mean, look, football, soccer, as we call it, uh, over here, depending on which one you go to, you know, and it's particularly in Ireland, even we have these amateur sports called hurling and Gaelic. So when you're born in a town, you're automatically a supporter of Manchester United or whatever, or you'll have people who don't have a team close by and they just pick, you know, their favorite team with their favorite players. But it's almost because it's around you, uh, you don't look into it as much. It's just part of your day. And, you know, Sunday you watch the game. You don't read stats. You don't do anything. You just throw on the jersey, you get the tattoo and watch <laughs> the game. Whereas from over here, I mean, you know, we have to stay up late. So when we're watching the game, and I will get around to your question in a second, but as I told you, I'm Irish. It's your fault. <laughs> and so the thing is, is, you know, you stay up late to watch the game. I mean, Monday night football, Thursday night football, uh, Sunday night football, all of that starts at about half one over here and doesn't end till, you know, half four or five o'clock in the morning. Um, so you have to be dedicated. We're reading stats and we're sort of hoovering that stuff up when we can. So there's a really diehard fan base. But my story of how it started was, is that the Super Bowl is free to air. So there's, you don't have to do anything to fall into it. It's like the, you know, it's the gateway into the NFL, uh, let's say over here. So everybody watched the Super Bowl. And I was kind of at that stage uh, for a long time because the our market over here is flooded with sports. We've the native Irish sports and uh, we've got soccer. There's people into cricket and rugby and you know, the World Cup is on, which is huge over here. Um, so while all of that's going on, uh, the Super Bowl is on. As you know, it's just a one day. It, again, it's late, so there's a bit of a thing, but there's the pageantry of the, the Super Bowl show. So I was doing that, and I was going to college, and there was a, an American football team that played for my college, U University College, Dublin UCD, um, and I was best friends with the quarterback of the team. So he said, come on, Steve come back to my room and let's get dressed up, right? So we went into his room <laughs> and keeping this family friendly. We went into his room and he pulled out these pads and this helmet. And of course, he was a bigger guy than me. He's the quarterback, for God's sake, on a small leprechaun guy. And so he put, <laughs> he said, do you want to try them on? And I said, Pete, let's roll, buddy. And so I put them on and it felt weird and foreign to me. And he said, come on, we go and run some routes. I think he was lonely. He wanted someone to talk. So we went out and I was running a couple of routes and I was hooked. You know, and he said, if you know, have you ever watched American football? I said, yeah, you know, I've done the Super Bowl thing. And he said, well, I'll tell you what, pick a team and that will give you that vested interest then in that team. So I said, fine. So I was looking down through the teams and I saw Falcons and I was like, cool, that's a bird. I was, you know, looking at Lions and I thought, yeah, that's a lion and cat. And then I looked at the Bears and it's, yeah, they suck. So then when I saw the <laughs> Packers, I was sort of thinking, 
what animal is a Packer? So I was looking into it and I instantly got steeped in the history of the Green Bay Packers, the Acme Packing Company, Curly Lambeau, all the way up to Vince Lombardi, to sold out since the 60s, you know, and it just goes on and on. And with Ireland, Clayton, you know, America is a relatively new country, uh, you know, with new history and all this kind of stuff. Whereas with Ireland, um, you look out, I look out my window and I see a wall that was built hundreds of years ago and that etches out the environment and, you know, history is literally all around me and I'm a massive history nut. So the minute I saw that with the Packers, I was hooked. So I had to look into them more. And it just happened that they've had some dynamite quarterbacks over those years. And it was sort of steamrolled from then. But then, of course, social media and you get onto Twitter. And still, I'd watch the game. They were very successful. All of us are kind of dotted around between Ireland and the UK and all around Europe. So, you know, the group sort of stemmed from the fact that Rogers throws a routine Hail Mary um, and of course it lands um, and it's a touchdown and they win and it's a walk off. But, you know, you're waking the dog up, you're running upstairs and waking up your partner and, you know, you're going out onto the road and screaming, but no one cares. And you go into work the next day and still no one cares. And they're asking you why you're so tired and can you get that deliverable over the line? And they don't realize the excitement to it all. And that's where the group came from is to bring all of these fans together online. And it's the, it sort of evolved from the Twitter account that it was into like you know we, we i think one year i did like 10 meetups in you know wales and scotland and england and around ireland and of course we go to lambo every single year only covid sort of put the spanner in the works there so you know as you know it, it doesn't it start clayton from like this oh this looks cool to and you sort of you're saying you're sort of a recent convert to green bay but the more you get invested in Green Bay and how the people act and just the community ownership of it all, and I'm sure you probably have a shareholder cert the same way as I do here in Ireland. Um, and then you talk about going to the stadium and then you just get completely sucked into it and it becomes an identity almost. Um, so that's the way it is over here. So from very humble beginnings of running around the field in college to running the group and setting up the group almost a decade ago now, um, it's been quite a journey. It's absolutely awesome. It's so much respect for you because you found something that you were passionate about. And your your uh, story is is somewhat like mine. Like, you know, I had heard about the historic Green Bay Packers in Lambeau Field. Mm -hmm. And I was in a uh, what we call a Best Buy store over here. You know, it was, you know, electronics and there's DVDs on the shelf. This is way back, you know, like I said, 2003. And I yeah. walk by and I see the history of the Green Bay Packers, two disc set. And I was like, <laughs> let's see what all the buzz is about. So I made the yeah. purchase. I watched that. And then it was literally... 24 hours later, me and my my girlfriend at the time, which we're, we're married now, um, I was like, we, we were on our way to Green Bay. Like, I've got to see amazing. this place. It was just amazing. Yeah. Just like you said, the history. I'm a history nerd. I'm the history podcast guy when it comes to Green Bay Packers within our PackerNet community. And yeah. it just sucked me right in, too. Um, let me ask you this. I did not prep you on this question, but I've got to know. I am like, I absolutely love other cultures. And especially mm. food, man. I, I, I don't, I don't do drugs. So, like I said, tell many people, if it wasn't for food, I'd probably be a drug addict. But food <laughs> is my drug. All right. So, there's a Twitter bio waiting to be written. Yeah. Oh my god. Right. So here's my question: On game day, you've only got mm. one one thing to go to as far as uh, you know. Like for me, it's 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 hot wings. I love hot wings. Hot wings and cold mm. beer. That's that's me on a Sunday afternoon watching football. What is it in Ireland that you had? If you had to say, all right. Here's the one thing. Here's the one food. Here's the one snack, whatever it is for game time. What is it? Do you know what? I love Irish food. And uh, again, my second name is O'Brien, which is the third oldest name in Ireland. The harp that is on the Irish stuff is because of my ancestor, Brian Brew, right? I love Irish food, but I still think it cannot be game day fair, like bratwurst that they make, you know, all of this sort of Germanic foods uh, that come from Green Bay. Me, it's just absolute like nosh. I mean, we're talking, you know, nachos and all that kind of stuff yeah. uh, but we haven't nailed down the tailgating properly and you've probably witnessed that too is that you think if you have sort of a you know you have a good game day routine and then you tailgate outside lambo and people <laughs> like open up their trunks and they're cooking like brisket and you're kind of thinking we're doing it wrong absolutely wrong but i tell you what there's some diehard fans over here my answer to that is just the normal nosh just the the junk uh, that ends up putting a tire around my stomach but we have a fan over here sarah comer's her name and she won't mind the shout out but her she's got her husband matt i think he's an eagles fan but uh, every couple of sundays they will build out of like cheese and sausages and all this type of stuff nachos they will build like a miniature lambo field and eat lambo while they're watching no. the players play in lambo 
and they even they have a spot Clayton for their phone where they'll put in and they'll have like the game playing within their little mini Lambo field while they're watching it on TV I've never seen commitment like it so you know if anyone wants to to have good fare don't come near me go to Sarah's house because she's actually <laughs> eating while the players are playing it's amazing I love it love it man love it well, let's talk football for a second let me ask you this, you know, as a Packer fan, a diehard Packer fan, willing to fly all the way across the pond to come to Lambeau Field on a regular basis, barring any, you know, significant injuries this year to the Packers, you know, a.k.a. Aaron Rodgers. If Aaron Rodgers mm-hmm. stays healthy, okay, what do you yeah. think the Packers win total will be? What do you expect their record to be? I'm I'm trying not to buy into all the hype. But at the same time, mm. I'm looking at this roster. I'm looking at the coaching staff. I'm looking at just the camaraderie that we have in camp. And it seems like everybody is just in a great place. Um, I, I want to hear your take. How many wins do you think this Packer team has in them, barring anything crazy? Well, um, look, you know, Matt LaFleur likes a number 13. So I, I think we'll probably start there. It's very hard to know because we were told, weren't we, that if David Bakhtiari was out, that the O-line was in trouble and we wouldn't get anywhere. And that was wrong. Uh, Zadarius Smith was an absolute uh, pivot piece in the defense between him and Preston and the Smith brothers and the chemistry and the, you know, player led team and the sound bites we got galore. But then he was injured and it didn't seem all that impactful. Um, so when you look at the defense, you know, you see Rashawn Gary lighting it up already in training camp, albeit the caveat is that it is training camp. So on the defensive side of the ball, there's no doubt is there Clayton that we've gotten stronger. Um, which will help compensate for the loss of Devontae Adams, which is not a small loss. Now, I know the stat is there that the Packers, you know, were flawless when it came to games without Devontae. I think I thought it was 7-0, and but someone said 7-1, and but I don't know if that's correct. But anyway, the, the trope is, is that they've won every game without Devontae. Now, whether that they won it in spite of not having him or whatever, but we've seen that sort of case study, didn't we, with Matt Stafford in the NFC North when... Uh, who was long gone now, uh, but with Megatron, where when Megatron left the game, he spread the ball around more. So it, it remains to be seen whether Rodgers is capable of doing it. And I don't mean that in, a, in an offensive way. Like the guy's the reigning MVP. I know this, but, you know, can the defense key in on, um, you know, what the offense are trying to do with the players that they have? And I, I don't think anyone could convince themselves that without a Devontae Adams, which if he's trajectory keeps going or based on what he's even done up to date is a hall of famer is that how your team gets better when one of those guys leave now we did know that 90 percent of the plays 80 percent of the playbook was based around aaron Rodgers and Devontae adams so that's going to be a big change as well so to answer your question in kind of a wishy-washy kind of way you know there's it's very hard to predict isn't it because to extrapolate how we're going to do based on how the teams were going to face and the strength of schedule based on last year. Uh, the Packers have been so good at being very consistent with those 13 wins and, you know, playoff buys and all that kind of stuff. But that's the exception that proves the rule. We always see these stats, don't we, Clayton, about the teams that get into the playoffs, you know, only an X percent actually end up getting back into the playoffs. And we're just used to that consistency. But that comes down to, some of our opponents finding their feet or losing Matt Stafford or having Jake Cutler. You know, there's always these sort of <laughs> excuses for the other team why the NFC North to some people doesn't seem all that competitive when you have the Packers. But I'd love to hear your thoughts, Clayton, about how do you think that the defensive strength, and again, it's a strength on paper and they've won defense of the year on paper, which is incredible. It's the first time ever that anyone's won defense of the year without even playing in the snap. You know, does that compensate for the lack of depth at wide receiver? Or or is there even a lack of depth at wide receiver because we have Randall Cobb, who's the shortest hands in the NFL, albeit a slot receiver. Watson, the jury's out because he's had surgery, but he's meant to be a dynamite player. Romeo Dubs has come out and lit up training camp, but so did Jay Kumro. So let's pump the brakes on that. Analyst <laughs> right. is a fantastic player. And I've done sort of a, I uh, correlated all of his plays about two years ago and showed, and I sort of delved into the tape. And I think he's a fantastic player. But what has been the problem every time? It's injuries. So sometimes if he gets knocked out of the game, like you said, if there's no injuries, but you know we can't legislate for that. And of course, Aaron Jones, unbelievable catcher of the ball. He's not only a running back, he's a really cerebral guy. And with AJ Dillon, who was, we were told couldn't catch the ball, but it's not that he couldn't catch the ball, it's that he didn't because they never tested him when he was in Boston. So I don't know about you, Clayton, and maybe that's too sitting on the fence. 
I don't see why we should step away from the fact and, you know, our faith in Matt LaFleur's playbook and the fact that it's a run first offense. Where's your head at with these? Do you get really granular with the, you know, strength to schedule and predicting these things? You know, for me, uh, it's it's kind of a boring answer, and I'm very, very conservative in this regard. It all comes down to coaching. Like, mm-hmm. I, you know, as, in, as, as important as, you know, players are in the game of football, and Bill Belichick, 101, he always says, you know, players win them and coaches lose them. And I think yeah. he's kind of being very humble in that. Um, I think when you look at the scheme, when you look at the coaching staff and the camaraderie that's been built, you know, Joe Barry is is so underrated. It's mm. it's beyond belief. Like I, when they hired him, I was the first guy, Steve, that said, who the heck is Joe? Why? Why are we <laughs> why are, we're getting rid of Mike Pettin, which isn't great. But like, who is yeah. Joe Barry and what's he going to do? But when you see his coaching style and how you can just tell he's kind of a leaders eat last kind of guy. Right. And what he did with that defense in one year, I really, really think this is going to be a special year. You know, I think that that number 13, it's such a lazy answer, but it's what I keep coming back to. And when I look at the schedule, it's it's always hovering right around 13 wins. And mm-hmm. and like you said, so many things can happen throughout the course of the year. As far as Devontae being gone, um, in no way, shape or form do I think it's addition by subtraction. You lose a player of that caliber. It's I mean, it's a huge, huge loss. But at the same time, if we play within this scheme, if we play within what Matt LaFleur's system is designed to do, and you take the the brain of Aaron Rodgers and the RPO aspect of the offense and his ability to change the play at the line of scrimmage, like he said when when Matt LaFleur came on, Aaron said, you know, I've got all this experience. I don't think you just want to turn that off. And Matt LaFleur, lo and behold, he didn't, right? So from a defensive standpoint, schematically, that cover four defense, that too high look where we have two safeties up on the shelf, and you're constantly forcing the defense pre-snap to look underneath. And then the next thing you know, they're in a cover three look. They're in a single high look. They've done this post-snap adjustment. I think it's absolutely phenomenal because what you're doing is you're forcing the offense to be patient. And that's why Russell Douglas had the, had the picks. That's why Adrian Amos has been so good in this defense rolling in and out of the box. Um, mm-hmm. I think that – from from a like you said a cerebral standpoint and and what this scheme can do it could be a special year and again I'm yeah. one of those glass half full kind of fans Steve it probably gets on a lot of people's nerves but I don't understand the Packer fan it's like they're they're waiting and hoping and looking for every year year in and year out this is the year the team you know falls apart I'm like yeah, why are you yeah, even- I told you so fans I don't understand why they're fans either yeah it's yeah that's bizarre to me but look I'm on the same page as you Clayton I like to think of the the good things. And I like to look at the wide receivers and I see a commentary online of people saying, oh, suck it, you know, like this thing, <laughs> these, these teams, uh, you might need to edit that out. But these these teams, you know, you look at the wide receivers and they're amazing and you're going to, you know, kick dirt when they come up with all these plays. You know, pump the brakes on that because Aaron Rodgers himself came out and said that. He thought they were going to get their their behinds handed to them, you know, with this sort of defense being as strong as it was. But the thing that concerns me probably the most, and it's when you said about it's all about coaching, the loss of Nathaniel Hackett, it sort of remains to be seen, Clayton, doesn't it, about what impact that that is going to have. Stenovich, by all accounts, sounds like he was part of that brain's trust when Hackett was there. But now that Hackett is gone, you would look at it and go, whose was delivering whose offense? Was it LaFleur and Hackett's sort of, you know, melting pot of an offense with Stenovich and Rogers contributing and all coming together to create that perfect storm? Or will it all be fine without Hackett? And I don't have the answer to that yet until they start snapping that ball. Yeah, absolutely. And and it, it was the name that always got brought up and primarily got brought up by Aaron Rodgers was yeah. I love Nathaniel Hackett's approach. And he would talk about how when they stepped into the meeting room, he made it fun. He made it interactive. He he had everyone's attention. And and that's what it comes to with coaching today. This is this is not the Green Bay Packers of, of Vince Lombardi back when it was mm. let's let's jump down their throat. We've got to motivate people and and instill fear into them. It's a whole different, you know, just uh, era now in football. And Nathaniel Hackett, I think he's going to do great in Denver. I really do. And you that's a great point you bring up. I mean, it's something that's kind of gotten swept under the rug. When the hire was made initially, it was talked mm. about a lot. But now it's just kind of like, oh, yeah, you, you, you know, until you brought it up, I haven't thought about Nathaniel Hackett in a long time. So that could be, it, like you said, until they start snapping the ball, who knows? But thank, thank goodness. Do you know what? 
well, listen, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get off script as well because I think you know what it's like kind of what we spoke about as well. You've probably come into this thinking you get one show and you've got something completely different, right? But here's value for money for you. <laughs> but uh, when it comes to Nathaniel Hackett, I think the one of the biggest losses for him is exactly as you just said. It's that personality aspect. It's the fun, and you might go, you know, roll your eyes. Oh, who cares? But I think the where the Packers really have focused on, and it's been an effort of Gudekunz to get players of high character, to bring them in, to have them meld. And that's not something that you can actually build. You can't make that happen. And when you try force that on somebody, and the biggest sort of uh, example of that is if anybody looks at the Hard Knocks episode with Mike McCarthy, and we had Nathaniel Hackett who brought in gold member quotes and the gold zone and all this type of stuff. <laughs> right. And then you had that hard knocks, which is really difficult to watch because it's super cringy, right? I've got a massive cringe factor. Anything is slightly cringe. Um, I start, you know, just going insane. I cannot watch it. And um, McCarthy tried to bring that to it, but it was very contrived. And so I think that the Packers rolled along with Zadari Smith. They lost him, you know. He wanted to be a captain. He got the captain chain made and he kind of sounded like he fell out with the team, but they kept steamrolling ahead with the characters they had there. It's pulling that personality out in Nathaniel Hackett. Now, Stenovich sounds like he's up for a bit of fun. He's always got ribbed by the O-line and Bakhtiari and him have always had this kind of back and forth. So he sounds like he's a fun guy as well. Uh, but then we see the introduction of Basaccia, who seems to be more... <laughs> I don't know if aggressive. I don't know if aggressive is the Irish, word. Actually. But, I don't know why he's got an Italian name. I think he's Irish. You know, <laughs> but he certainly seems to be really like you know giving players the you know the hard task and screaming yeah. at players and using certain language and just but the way Lafleur and I'm the body language expert here in UK Packers. Just the way Lafleur spoke about him. That look, oh God, if you want a clear answer, you're going to get it from this guy. <laughs> and from the beats from Matt Schneidman, where he said we think the first fight in camp is going to be Basaccia versus one of his players. That's yes. an edge to it. How will that edge actually impact when you subtract Hackett and the fun and the goal zone and insert Basaccia? Does that create a good atmosphere, a bad atmosphere? I guess we won't know until they do a hard knocks episode on the Packers. Cause I would love to see how they coach, but um, yeah, all of those dynamics really do play into when it's not going so well for a team. How do they pick themselves back up again? And do they have the personality there? I personally think that they do. Um, but it is, it's just another dynamic that we really don't know how it's going to play out till it actually happens. Yeah. And you know, it's it's all sunshine and rainbows. And I imagine Basaccia watch walks through the locker room and everybody stands up straight and kind of, you know, <laughs> stops, stops yeah, and, and I think that includes LaFleur. You can tell LaFleur. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. I don't know about this guy. Agreed. Good yeah, stuff. Yeah. Love it. dude! What a great conversation, man. Let me ask you this as we get ready to wrap up, because I, I want to respect your time. It's late over there right now. And I know Irishmen stay up late. I get it. But I want to respect your time. What's the buzz like having the Packers come to London? And and I know you're in Ireland. It, it's funny, you know, being a redneck over here, you don't completely understand where everything is geographically, you know, mm. in that part of the world. But it, man, it's, it, it, this is their first trip to London. And I love the picture on your website that you got of, of LaFleur and the Packers walking, you know, walking across the old Beatles album, right? What, what do yeah. you think, man? What does it feel like over there right now? Are, are the Packer fans just ecstatic? I know it's hard to get tickets, but are they just excited about having the Packers come to, uh, you know, that part of the country or part of the world? I should uh. say. Do you know what? The Packers are the only team that haven't come over. And if you're listening to this, you're a Packers fan, so you know that, right? And I know an awful lot of people in America, they, you know, they won't keep their finger on the pulse of it. And they, they get very, I don't know, scared that the game is coming over and then we have to kind of explain ourselves. So with the tinge of sadness where, as you said, tickets are very, very hard to get. But I've heard that uh, there has been 10 times plus you know, or multiplied by interest in the Packers tickets, the Packers March, you know, the tailgate stuff. I mean, it's just absolutely blown up. To give you an example, um, what I'm doing is, is I'm actually, I'm, 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 I'm announcing it for the first time on your podcast, actually. I haven't even said it on my own. Now, <laughs> I'm not going to go to the game because I'm going to be running watch parties. So people are kind of expecting me to kind of roll into some sort of a gold-plated box in Tottenham, but that's not the case. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to be down there watching the game on a screen instead of going to the stadium. Um, but, you know, I sold out that first watch party in a day and a half. So that's 200 tickets gone, uh, fever pitch, um, you know, opening up another one for a couple of hundred people. I already have a waiting list that will now fill that second event. So it's absolute fever pitch over here because the way we see it is, and this comes from, we had Mark Murphy on our podcast. Um, he's very gracious with his time. 
Uh, so he came on and he was saying, look, you know, it's a, it's technically a home game for the Packers, albeit it's that extra 17th game. Um, so they can only give up a home game once every eight years. So the thought is, is that if it happens now, it's not going to happen for another eight years. And because of that, it's dro- driven the demand even higher for it. Because, you know, we're the largest organic fan group over here. So we'll have the Vikings have sent over a presence and they have a verified account. Um, you know, the Seahawks did the same in Germany. We have the Jacksonville Jaguars who have a contract with Wembley Stadium over here uh, in Europe, in, in the UK, in London, where, you know, they have set to come over so many times that they have an official presence, whereas we've built it up from the grassroots up over 10 years. And it's just that fever pitch over here for the Packers. And there's even rumors, and we had a guy who's sort of an, an expert on the international series games, and he believes that the next time that the Packers have a home game, which will be eight years after this eight years, which is 16 years away, uh, is go, probably going to go to Germany because the market is so big over there and they want to expand that. So people are seeing, on top of just excited that the team has never been here uh, for this international series, Clayton, is what they're looking at is, is that for some people, this is their last chance to see the Packers here because they can't afford it or it's not within their budget or it's not within their desire uh, to go over to Green Bay and go to Lambeau like we do every year because it is expensive mm-hmm. and that this is the last time they're going to get to see them in maybe two decades over in London. So, I mean, the place has gone absolutely wild as people selling body parts, livers, kidneys, <laughs> noses, eyeballs just to try to <laughs> get uh, tickets to this game. Uh, so, yeah, it's and I'll tell you what, and I'll, I'll end it here because I know I talk too much because I have the gift of the gab. Uh, but all of the Americans that are coming over, some with tickets, some without, you will truly witness, uh, you know, Tottenham Stadium being awash with green and gold. We're going to make it look like a home game. And the, just the amount of people dotted around the establishments all around the stadium. And of course, air watch parties in London will just show how well supported the team are over here and how much of a good decision it was for the Packers to come over here. Um, I know you're losing the game and the community's losing the game uh, and we are going to come over and hopefully make it up to you uh, when we come over there for the Cowboys and Titans game this year. But when you come over and you watch your TV screen, you're actually going to be shocked to see just how welcome you all are over here. And maybe we can repay the welcome that we get when we go to Green Bay to you guys when you come over to London. No, I'm I'm just going to tell you right now, Steve, when they announce that the Packers were going over, I was ecstatic. And I actually said it on the podcast. Listen, I know there are, you're only going to hear about the worst, right? You're going to hear about the minute amount of people that are upset about it and this and that. I was fired up. I'm like, there is nobody that deserves it more than those fans over there. They deserve the right to see the Packers right there in their backyard. And the fact that you're having a watch party and what, 400 tickets? Oh my God, that is awesome. Like, I want to be a fly on the wall in there just to hear the conversations. And I know the beer is going to be flowing and it's, <laughs> Oh my gosh, I, I'm so excited for you guys. And, and it's just awesome. Steve, thank you so much for your time, man. Go back, go. All right. Again, special thanks to Steve from UK Packers, man. Uh, what an awesome guy. It's just so cool how we can be connected like this um, all the way across the world as Packer fans, just a uh, phenomenal, phenomenal guy. Um, so, Guys, let's wrap up the show with a little bit of news. Uh, You guys may have already heard Deshaun Watson. It's looking like it's going to be a six-game suspension. At least that's the early indications. I don't think I've heard a a final ruling from Goodell. It says here from around the NFL, uh, Deshaun Watson informed by Judge Sue L. Robinson he should be suspended six games per rap sheet. Sounds like they're closing in on getting all the cases settled. I try not to talk about this stuff too much because it, it it doesn't matter which angle you look at it, man. It's just bad. It's just bad news. It's uh, it's a, a bad situation all the way around. You've got on one side, you know, obviously uh, Deshaun Watson, what he did, he's a creeper. There's no two ways about it, right? I'm not going to comment on whether I think the suspension should have been longer or shorter. I'm not a legal expert. And to be honest with you, this is the only thing I hate about the National Football League is having to, to talk about uh, stuff like this. I, I'm here for the ball. I'm here for the X's and O's. I'm here for the camaraderie. If you haven't caught on, man, this is a positive show. I want to look at things through through a positive lens and shine light on the good people. I want to shine light on the Aaron Joneses, you know, the, uh, uh, you know, name, insert a player, right? Insert anyone, you know, the guys that, like, you, you look at Packers camp, and you look at how this team is just having a blast. And, and for the first time in a long time, maybe I'm just, I don't know, a renewed spirit being a part of the Packernet, you know, podcast family and and being able to talk football and do it, 
you know, for, for somewhat of a living, you know, obviously we're, we're nowhere near where we want to be. And, you know, I didn't start podcasting for money. It's pretty cool that it does pay. Um, and, and over time you kind of earn your stripes and, and you, uh, you know, you're, you're able to work your way up and, and, and be compensated for it. That's an absolute blessing, but I'm here to talk about football because I love football. I love team sports. Um, you know, even more than that, I, I love interacting with other Packer fans and, and finding those other people that are like-minded and, and come from a, a positive, you know, stance of, look, I'm going to, I'm going to focus on things that, that build people up, not tear them down. Right. And, you know, I've had many people reach out to me on Twitter and an email saying, man, Hey, look, I really love uh, following you on Twitter because you're, you're constantly picking people up and that's the goal. So I don't like talking about stuff like this. I really don't. Um, now, Let's look at it from a legal standpoint. Uh, to me, I think that the NFL approached this like, look, let's hire a, a female former you know judge to rule on it. And whatever she rules, I think that they'll up the ante a little bit. So I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, yes, she said you deserve to be, you know, uh, suspended six games. I wouldn't be surprised if the league comes out and says, well, he deserves to be suspended six games. We're going to give him eight because we're going to be real stern about it you know, and kind of save a little face there on the front side. Again, I don't want to give my opinion on whether I think it's enough. You probably can tell by the tone of my voice uh, what I believe, and I'm just going to leave it at that. But, again, I want to report that news. Deshaun Watson six-game suspension is what it's looking like as of right now. Now, in other news, Debo Samuel got the bag. He got an extension, right? And I don't have all the details in front of me. I just do know that um, he's going to stay a 49er. It says from inside training camp, Ian Rappaport reports that the 49ers and wide receiver Debo Samuel have a deal inside his three-year $73.5 million extension. So we got a three-year extension there. And, uh, you know, I know there's a lot of guaranteed money, uh, just like, uh, you know, with uh, DK Metcalf up in Seattle, he gets extended. So here's two guys that were thrown around as trade rumors all offseason long. You You heard me. I didn't take the bait. It just when you get players that are that dynamic, uh, that much of a have much that much of an impact, and they haven't crossed that line that they can't return back over, you know, from their team, from their uh, front office, they all seem to be on good terms. They're going to stay put. You know, that's kind of what happened with Tariq Hill. It got to the point where I think that the team realized, okay, look, we just need to get this guy out of here. It sounds like that he was complaining last year, not getting enough balls thrown in his direction. And when you've got a former MVP in Mahomes, whether you love him or hate him, um, I'd rather not comment on how I feel about him. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it just when you've got someone like that and you can't keep him happy, that makes me think that he's going to run the roost down there in Miami, right? But with Debo Samuel, it never got to that point. It got a little bit ugly on the on the on the surface, but not to the point where Tyreek Hill was just like, "Look, I want out of here." Right, and uh, same thing with DK Metcalf. So, with that being said, those two receivers are staying put. As far as news, that's pretty much all we got. I'm just scrolling through here with Ian Rappaport. Um, I do know this that yesterday it was also reported that uh, Cliff Kingsbury told reporters that Kyler Murray tested positive for COVID and will be out for five day at least five days. That seems a little fishy to me, guys. I'm not saying it's a dishonest report. I'm not saying he doesn't actually have COVID. But, man, that whole situation with the contract is really, really ugly. The fact that it, it was made public by someone, and it sounds like Mike Florio pretty much said on his podcast, yeah, look, someone wanted this out. They wanted the start of the pot, and I was the messenger. So it got leaked out of the organization, it sounds like to me, or the agency. But I do know this. The fact that Kyler Murray is now angry at his agent makes me think it wasn't the agent that spilled the beans. I don't know who would have been stupid enough to do it. Whoever it was doesn't like Kyler Murray, in my opinion. They wanted it to get out there that a clause was having to be put in, that he needs to study at least four hours of film per week. That is just like, that's not even about the uh, the technicality of, look, I want you to study four hours. That's just, we want to get in the public eye. This dude does not study film. Just a horrible, horrible move by Arizona uh, Cardinals management there. And just makes me all that more glad and, and thankful that we have Brian Gutekunst and Russ Ball in place along with Mark Murphy and to protect the culture in Green Bay. Um, I'm really, really excited, though, guys. we got the Hall of Fame game coming up Thursday. Uh, this weekend we're going to get to see our very own Leroy Butler get enshrined into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Definitely going to crack open a cold one for number 36, well-earned. Uh, you know, it, it was a, a long time waiting, 
but uh, very, very much deserved. So excited for that. And like I said, we got football on Thursday night. Then next week, actually, we got family night on Friday night, right? Packers family night. Hopefully, we can get a bootleg copy, a live stream of of that event. I'd love to be able to watch that down here in Tennessee. So if you guys know, shoot me a DM. Hit me with an email and say, hey, man, here's how you can watch it online. I would love to find out. And I'll do the same for you guys. If I find a link, I'll make sure I blast it out. But uh, excited about family night. And then next week, we got our first preseason game. We're going to be doing our very first Packers Total Access postgame show. Very excited about that. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. Again, special thank you to Steve uh, from across the pond coming on here and dealing with this accent. I know this. When, as soon as I heard his accent, I said, man, he's going to raise the intelligence level for this podcast for you know 30 minutes, however long he's on here. And I, it's very much appreciated. But super cool dude. And so thankful that he came on. So, guys, we're going to sign off there. Thank you for listening. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world. And go Pack Go! Third down, inches to go. The